Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm Steve, eating a crane brulee. Mm, and this week we're looking at Season 6, Episode 5, First Do No Harm, in which Frasier involves himself in a relationship that's less friends with benefits and more Freud with benefits. Uh, Steve, <laughs> my question to you this week, have you ever had a recurring dream? Um... I don't really remember it being recurring. I've obviously had nightmares and strange dreams, but never mm. anything that I think I had over and over and over again. Um, have, have you ever experienced the recurring dream? I have had some recurring dreams. Um, I, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of dreams about school and, and <laughs> kind of about undermining my my kind of power. I'm like in a classroom and I've lost control. Um, that's quite <laughs> probably quite common for teachers. Um, my bro- I, th- I, 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 I get really wary about repeating myself on the podcast because we tend to discuss things that are of great interest to us, which means we tend to come back round to them every so, every so yeah. often. And I can't remember if I've mentioned this before. Um, my brother used to have a recurring nightmare. Um, I must have mentioned this, in an, I reckon, in uh, The Impossible Dream because it's a dream-based episode. More but for likely. anyone who's joined us late who hasn't heard that, I'll do this in 30 seconds. My brother used to have this recurring nightmare where he'd hear a motorbike kind of coming up the drive of our, our old house. And he would look out the window and he would see this kind of cloaked figure come off the motorbike and just pass into the house beneath the window still, so he couldn't see who they were. He'd rush to the banister on the landing and he'd look down just as this figure's moving into the living room. And he would run downstairs and this this repeats itself and he just misses them as they pass through a doorway. Until at the very end, when you get to the kitchen doorway, and this horrible hand would kind of spit like kind of claw its way around the side of the door frame. Um and I was just always mesmerized by that that dream um, and always found that really interesting. I, I have a lot of a lot of nightmares I have involved doorways in my own house. And it will be I know someone's about to come around the doorway and they will come around the door really slowly in a way that my brain interprets this as this is terrifying. You need to wake up. Um but yeah, I don't know. Can you remember any kind of particularly scary dreams? Because I've had nightmares when I was like 10 or younger, and I can remember them to this day. Oddly enough, yeah, probably about the same sort of age. I hmm. actually rem- I don't remember fully. I remember waking up and knowing that I was in a uh, like a, an underground car park, you know, one of the sort of spiralling shopping mall car parks. Yes. It went underground for some reason. This whale tail, and this is going to sound ridiculous, this like killer whale or like, you know, great big tail of a whale came out of the back of a car. And as it slapped down, it just smashed like glass. Work that out. Go on. Oh, my <laughs> It was God. so, so weird. And I remember waking up like literally sweating <laughs> and like pumped full of adrenaline. And I still get that sort of thing now. If you have a bad dream overnight, when you wake up, you kind of, scared but at the same time just buzzing from like thinking that you've got away from whatever it was that was chasing yeah. you and i'm like it's so, so exciting but it's terrifying at the same time and you go i'll just go back to sleep now i've got work in the morning <laughs> 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 oh, never mind put, put the covers back over you always tuck your feet in tuck it up right to your face in case anything's lurking <laughs> absolutely absolutely um yeah the relief is it's you almost want to bottle it it's a very powerful mm. narcotic um but yeah i think i've mentioned this before but i basically when i was a child remember mr blobby steve i do sadly i do yes (laughs) mr blobby will be very familiar to a lot of our british listeners we were supposed to go to the ill-fated theme park Blobbyland, which was i believe located in devon um and we were supposed to go there one holiday and 
my family are adamant that we never went. However, I have memories of going there. And a few years ago, no, maybe five years ago, there was this big news story about how Blobby Land has been like, it's all abandoned now. And it looks like something from a, a horror film. And like ravers go there at night and kind of take MDMA and, you know, lose their minds in, in the kind of toadstools that were built. Um, but I looked at some of the pictures and they stay, they matched up with my memories of the place. And yet my family are adamant we never went. So I don't know where I've got these false memories from. And I genuinely think I might have just dreamt about it on the night. And I, I can't explain it, but I think I dreamt about it. But I dreamt so strongly, I feel like I went. Do you wake up hearing that Mr. Blobby song over and over again? Because that's a terrifying song. It, it is really a terrifying. I just see his visage in the shadows. Um, when when you never know what's lurking in the shadows, it's Mr. Blobby. Um, Listeners, if you don't know what Mr. Blobby is, Google Mr. Blobby, Crinkly Bottom, or Noel Edmonds, and they will all unfortunately come up and terrify you like they did for me in the nineties as a child. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, shall we took ourselves in to the proverbial trivia corner this week? I'm terrified this week because watching this episode, coming up with three questions for you, I, I didn't feel confident I could find three. So I'm dreading what the masters of trivia have got for me. <laughs> well, let's begin with MK, Master One himself. Uh, his questions three. Question one for you, Stephen. According to Frazier, Duke would have had to have had an extramarital affair in order to sire an attractive daughter. Whom does he suggest is the mother? I didn't really catch the name. Um, mm. I'll be honest, I have no idea. It is Catherine Deneuve. Um, I think that's, I think that's I how it's re- pronounced. Yeah, I, I think I just didn't remember it. I didn't know whether that was... Is she supposed to be a very attractive film star, opera singer? Never heard of her, so it just I, didn't stick. <laughs> I think so. Um, but no, that's that's a, that's a it's a name one. Either they stick or they don't. So that's fine. Uh, also, according to Frazier, what event transpired that led to what he described as a rough night? Uh, he gave. Is is this is this to do with wine club? I presume he gave a four star review to a Mexican Zinfandel blindfolded wine tasting. That is exactly what he did. Um, and just before we went on air, listeners, I was telling Steve I've just finished a glass of a Rioja, which was absolutely delicious. And as far as we're aware, a wine that is never mentioned on the show, which is baffling to Steve and I because it's a delicious, delicious red. Uh, question number three, can Steve describe the room in which Marie is staying at her father's? Is it the rumpus room? Yes, it is. There's one particular oh. decorative flourish that is mentioned before the words rumpus room. Is it like next to the pool table or something like that? I don't know why I've got that in my head. She says she wakes up in a cot in a something something. It's hyphenated <sighs> description. Rumpus room. Plaid clad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the right ballpark. Oak panelled, oak panelled rumpus room. Um, and I do want to get on to what the hell a rumpus room is later. I've obviously looked this I've looked well, I don't say obviously, I've looked this one up. Um but uh I yeah. T- I could tell you, but I'll let I'll let you uh I'll let you see what you think it is later from your, your yeah, research. Well, <laughs> they are they are bizarre. Um, your trivia for me, Stephen, please lay all your triv on me to misquote Abba. So we have number one, what are the three main things Marie suffers from in the episode? Uh, scared of heights. Correct. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Correct. And maybe the recurring dream. Correct. Yeah. Three out of three, sir. Woo! Uh, question number two. Martin calls Duke and discusses tickets for a sporting event between which two teams? I think this might be the Seahawks and the Chiefs. It is. Yes! <laughs> um, question number three. Terry Hatcher is in Desperate Housewives. However, she also dates someone in another famous sitcom that Jane Leaves guest appeared in. What sitcom did she appear in? Well, Jane Leaves was in Seinfeld. Terry Hatcher, would she have been in Seinfeld? Um, Jane Leaves was in Hot in Cleveland. Can't imagine Terry Hatcher being in that. Um, it was before this episode, if that helps you. 
to a sitcom that aired before this episode of Frasier. I'm going to have to say Seinfeld. You're correct. It's the oh! the episode, the implant, for which Jerry considerably sort of considers whether her breasts are real or implants. To which he actually gets Elaine to fall into her in the uh, shower room and find out. To which she storms out of Jerry's apartment and says. And just for your information, they're real and they're spectacular as she leaves. <laughs> uh, a good good episode if anyone wants to watch that. Excellent. Excellent. Was that three out of three for me then? Yeah. <laughs> goodness, goodness me. What a turn of the books. Just going to note that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, trivia from our boy down under, Mr. Ham Winston. Uh, what date and year was this episode released? I believe it was late October 1990 oh, is it eight or nine I think it's late October 98 yes it is I'm gonna I'm gonna push you for a date 29th oh my god yes <laughs> oh my god that is superb that is superb well done Steve <laughs> according to Frasier what two things are not completely unrelated that's, How can I get a date like that right and not get this right? That's a quote mark. Um, completely unrelated. That's a quote from him. Is it something? Is it something to do with sleeping with her? Basically, that that they're not completely unrelated. He says that back to Niles, doesn't he? I think is is it in the cafe when Niles is saying about finding her attractive and practicing his. I don't know, practicing his psychiatry on her mind or something like that. I can't think of it. Can't think of how it's worded. <laughs> it is when he's breaking up with Marie and she says, you know, am I crazy, but are you breaking oh, up with me? They're not yeah, completely. That's unrelated. it, sorry. No, don't you dare apologize. Bad call. Uh what exhibit were they enjoying at the museum or which artist was being exhibited, should we say? Is it Whisker? You're very close. It is Whistler. Or is it Whisper? Whistler, Whistler. Right. Whistler. Um, yeah, so Whistler that's what I was going to come on to. Famously painted his mother. So there you go. Yeah, right. So I had no idea. I was going to ask you later in the review. This is what I said to you before we came on air. Um, I didn't understand that joke at all because I didn't know who Whistler was. And she, he says, how did we get on to discussing your mother after such a nice chat about the museum? And she says, well, it was a Whistler exhibit. And I was like, Straight over my head, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, there I mean? you go. That no that idea. is why, because he uh yeah, well. he painted his mother. Um, Niall Crane asks, when Martin is on the phone to Duke about the Seahawk, oh, we've had this one. I'm so sorry, Niall. Uh, who were they playing? Bonus, what city is that team from? Uh Kansas City Chiefs and it is Seattle Kansas Seahawks, City Chiefs. Very much the talk of the <laughs> town at the moment because of Travis Kelsey and his relationship with Taylor Swift. Um, so pretty <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot of people who've never heard of the Kansas City Chiefs suddenly very invested in them. Uh <laughs> Juicy Wench, what did Martin have for lunch? Crane Brulee. <laughs> Crane Brulee, very good. Uh, little Owlet in the Glen uh, asks, Fraser shares his initial. Uh, oh, man, we've had this one as well. I'm so sorry, Triv Masters. This is the four psychological issues uh, that he mentions when he shares his initial diagnoses of Marie with Niles at Nervosa. Um, there is one that we didn't talk about. We've had OCD, recurring dreams, several striking phobias, there's one more that we haven't mentioned. Yeah, we so we can us, preserve um, Rachel's question to some degree. I hate to say it. She's going to beat me because I literally only put the three down <laughs> okay. to ask you. Think think back to very, very recent discussions. Very recent discussions. When I say that, when I say recent, I mean in the in the absolute most recent context that something could be recent <laughs> what <laughs> think back to the last think back to the last three minutes of discussion um october after that whistler close her mother complex relationship with her mother there you that go. is what i'm looking for very good very good very good <laughs> that is the most the word recent has ever been said um 
Little Bobby Briscoe, to round out the trivia corner this week, asks, Back at camp, what dish did Fraser insist on having white grape juice with? Oh, God. Oh, this is a nice question. I thought you'd be all over this. No. Uh, what dish? This... Dish. Back at camp when they were children, so... No, you're killing me. I knew this was going to be a horrible episode to do trivia on because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't find anything to ask you. Um, nothing stood out as memorable at all on, on like facts. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. No, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. Fish sticks. You beat me. Fish sticks. <laughs> he knows which wine goes with fish or pork. Little Bobby Briscoe, sticks. to be fair, beats me quite a lot, and so does Niall. <laughs> They are formidable foes. They are. But thank you so much, everyone, who sent in trivia this week. It is lovely to hear from you, as always. Um, so please keep that a-coming. But shall we jump into the reviews, Stephen? Let's do it. Animation watch, please, this week. Can you kindly break my heart? I can tell you there was nothing. Not a thing. Nothing. And we're going to move on straight away to show. Before we my... move on. Oh, Oh. Your recent discussion, see, we're saying recent again. Recent. Twice, twice more. <laughs> if anyone wants to do a recent count for the end of season poll, that'd be brilliant. How many times <laughs> you say recent in this recent. one episode? Um, you obviously did Hot Ticket last week uh, with Key. And you discussed animations on the new season of Frasier 2023. Yes. I will not say what they are. I have seen all six episodes so far. Obviously, I'm uh, a complete and utter sitcom addict, so I'm going to be sitting there watching them. There is a new, he uh, said New York, a new skyline. It is Boston, and I will not tell you what the animations are for those who haven't watched, but yes, there are animations. I quite like them. They're quite mm. exciting. And, Very... and do they vary? Yes, and they're, they're just fun. They're, they're a lot of fun. So. That's awesome. That's that. That is the kind of minutiae that gets me excited about watching the new series. You haven't watched. Be excited if you have. Don't say anything because Will hasn't seen them yet. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't kill my animation dreams. Um, what on earth is the point of this fan in the poster at the beginning? Um, don't really get the joke. It's played like it's it's very low hanging fruit. Oh, Fraser says something slightly erudite, and the guy goes, "Uh huh." Um, yeah. <sighs> I, look, I looked up the actor, actually, because I want to know, is he worth being in this? You've got a guest star like Terry Hatcher, the rest of the main cast are in it, and this one guy, who's literally a one and done. Sadly, I actually wrote his name down. Sadly, he actually died in 2021. His name is Randy Pellish, or Peelish. Uh, he did do other things that were involved with Fraser and Kelsey. He was a guest star in an episode of Cheers, a guest star in an episode of Becca, which Kelsey also guest starred in, and Ted Danson was in both. Um, I don't know if the same casting director may have had something to do with that, who worked on Cheers, Frasier, etc. Mm. He was also in the film Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead, which is a bit of a 90s classic. However, that's about it for me. I, that's all I know about him. He is in other but, things, but they're the ones that stood out to me. You so. say that's all you know about him. That's an extraordinary <laughs> amount of information. That I was not <laughs> expecting you to have, and yet listeners should expect nothing less than your meticulous <laughs> research behind the scenes. Um, I love that. Uh, Roz refers to Alice as the baby. This happens quite a lot in sitcoms, and I'm imagining it's for exposition's sake and for maybe new listeners. But why would you ever refer to your own child as the baby? The, ba the baby who kept me up all night. Like it's like it's you're renting it. Yeah, it's, I, I guess it's almost like saying Alice because she's not mentioned enough. Would a new viewer know that she's got a baby? You know, she's had a baby for what? 20 episodes maybe since halloween was season yeah. five episode three i want to guess yeah so i'm thinking maybe it's just a way of because she hasn't been seen i don't think alice has appeared in anything in season six so far she's not really been mentioned has she i don't much? think so so i would presume it's just an easy way or again was it maybe this one oh, no it can't have been this one was made for a different timing or anything like that maybe the writers i mean there's two different writers on this one i did write those down as well they're not the usual guys a guy called jordan hawley and william shrifton wrote these this episode between the two of them so they're not regular writers maybe they just didn't know alice's name or just didn't care to write it well they've got a lot to answer for those two <laughs> those two are in very big trouble if um... you're listening guys let us know <laughs> 
Uh, Martin in the Vosa, always a treat, always to see our, our man John Mahoney kind of treading the tiles of Nervosa, getting himself a cup of joe. Um, but he, he's there because he's he's got himself a little plan. Um, Duke's niece? Duke's daughter. It's a daughter. It's his daughter. That That's even stranger there because the fact that, according to Duke, she's turned into a real looker. Um, I can't imagine what context or what degree of relative you'd need to be for that comment to be even vaguely okay. <laughs> um, every day in Arkansas. <laughs> um, but this doesn't, this doesn't land well, does it? Also, I think there's an episode in season two, I believe, Dukes We Hardly Knew Ye, is it? A classic episode that has begot many a title, um, a yeah. novelty title <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so so when Martin takes the boys down to Dukes, he introduces mm. them to Duke. This is my sons, Niles and Frasier. Bit strange how Frasier then says later in, in this episode, yes, one week when she was six, He's already met Duke. They went camping together by the lake when she was six. Yeah. The boys they... have known Duke all their lives, but they've been introduced to him at the bar like they've never met. It must be so hard to keep track of these things as a, as a sitcom writer. Basically, every time you invent a new detail, you have to basically have some incredibly complex master sheet. And you need basically like technology so that when you plug in a new fact about someone's life, it can, cl- it can say, oh, clash with this. You know, it's impossible. Um, the trouble is, the first episode was 1994 and probably hadn't even been released on VHS yet. These two writers writing sitcom episodes, they weren't just working on Frasier, they were probably working on a whole host of shows. So all they did was just put that in there. And yeah. they, didn't care, they didn't care what had happened five years ago because it didn't matter. And the likes of you and I can now watch it on streaming. Back then, you wouldn't have done. You'd have had to wait for a rerun to be on TV. And back then again, you wouldn't have cared what happened five years ago in a sitcom. You didn't watch it in the way that people watch them now over and over and over again. They were on TV and that was it. They didn't come back for another few years until it was returning to to do a a repeat. So continuity back then probably didn't matter that much. (laughs) Definitely not. You forget that there's five years between the facts that you've just mentioned or the clash. Yeah, That's not going to be in anyone's mind. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? I did. I think that show is one of the best I've ever seen for continuity. Really? That's that's, that's an interesting observation. I've never really thought about it from a continuity point of view. Is The the writer is Vince Gilligan, isn't he? The creator. I believe there is a part of one episode, and I can't remember the episode off the top of my head, where Walt is on a payphone. It's quite late on, and he just stands there and he takes a watch off. The only reason he takes that watch off and puts it on top of that payphone is because somewhere previously, because that that scene in the payphone is a flashback, I think, somewhere previously in a couple of episodes prior to that happening, he's not wearing a watch, and he always does. So they're made to show that, that he takes that watch off. That is just to loop it back to that continuity that he wasn't wearing a watch. God, that is meticulous detail. You know, looking at it and going, "Oh God, he's not wearing a watch in that episode. We've just put a watch back on him. We need to make a scene where he takes that watch off and it's noticeable. He's just on a payphone, literally unstraps it, puts it on top of the phone, and walks off without it. That's where his watch disappears. And you think God. that guy knew what to do? <laughs> it's yeah. just a pointless scene. It's not a pointless scene. It carries a lot of um, carries a lot of storyline with him on that phone. But taking the watch off until you go back and watch it again. You, there's no reason for him to take the watch off. It's just it, it must be exhausting. The creator yeah. must yeah. be exhausting for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I, I that's don't think nuts. I could do it. <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, Fraser refers to uh, blind dates as the refuge of the lovelorn. Um, superb writing there. That's such a Fraser line. And Martha's like, well, if you stop talking like that, you know, or well, the reason you talk like that is why you're so hard up. <laughs> Um, so so funny, and then the joke that we kind of had from Trivia Corner, where only if Duke has sired a love child with you know Catherine Deneuve, uh, something about the word sired that's hilarious to me. Um, I often use it kind of jokingly with with Charles, um, and she hates it, um, because it is such a well, patriarchal word, yeah. I mean, for me as a dog breeder and a dog, you know, owner sire and dam you don't have mother and father of puppies they are sire and dam so it makes sense that way but you also have dog and bitch and most people wouldn't want to be referred to as that either so i didn't i've never um, i didn't know that but sire and dam that's very interesting um um, sorry just while we're in nervosa mm -hmm. there was no coffees in hot ticket nope 
So we did have a total of 186 from Dial M for Martin. Uh, Fraser has three in this. Niles has a latte. And Roz technically has two cups, but she has one of them refilled. So I'm counting that as a third cup. So that would bring the total to 193 so far. Could be one of the highest individual coffee drinking episodes we've seen. It's seven, which is high for this sort of part of the show because mm. season one and season two there was a lot and then we've had a real drought but they're yeah. back on it now back right back on the coffee now <laughs> yeah absolutely um sorry just a slight concern uh there we go my screen keeps going black and i was losing visuals of you but i'm back now um Possibly my laptop might be on the fritz, but there we are. Um, even if even if the screen goes off, I can still hear you. Uh, and That's I, good. I, I'm going to keep the mouse on end so I can end our call <laughs> and save our podcast from the from the fires. Why does he say bonjour to Marie? Is it because Marie is French? Um, I presumed it was because Fraser was pretentious, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, I mean, that's as good as reason as any. Um, I Should think have maybe didn't. Yeah. If she'd have walked in, it wasn't Terry Hatcher, who I must admit is gorgeous in this episode. If she'd have walked in and she'd have been unattractive, he'd have gone, hi, Marie. But he turns yeah. the charm, oh, bonjour. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like the enchanté and all that comes out, doesn't it? And that, that's typical phrase. I'm a ladies' man. Whereas, like I say, if she was the average-looking woman, he'd have just gone, hi, Marie. Remember me from the thing when you were, you know, the, the lake when you were six years old? No, not really. Okay, cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there is there's a lot of there's a lot of um, emphasis on Frasier's physical attraction to her with Niles in the kitchen at the end. Yeah, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Um, we're like, we get it, Frasier. You know, you're <laughs> you're incredibly randy, and you basically only find attractive women. You know, you only want to be with attractive women. That's your prerogative, but you know, let's just dial down some of the kind of objectifying that's going on here. Um, Crane Brulee now back at 1901 where they're sharing a meal. Crane Brulee got to be one of the all-time Fraser cuisine puns. I would, I would say. Do you agree? It's brilliant. I mean, it, it's a, it's a bit like once you've dipped your towing uh, Crane oh, Lake, yeah. you know, dry land's never the same again. And what's the other one? Is it? Uh launch at Crane, uh, Cape Crane Avril or whatever he says and stuff like that. Terra, I don't know, Terra or whatever. It is. He just comes up with all these things about his own name. And is that when Niles once says to him, you don't actually say these things to the women, do you? And he goes, oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Um, he offers some wine out on the balcony. I mean, what a what a move. That could be the move, couldn't it? You know, you've got a, a date around your house. Do you want to take some wine on the balcony? Imagine having the capacity to do that. That's just the ultimate in the art of seduction. Um, it's not about putting stand- a remote over your shoulder. <laughs> it's about Except she stands up. 20 feet back and goes, yeah, that is quite a view. I'll stay here. <laughs> <Just laughs> yeah. Right off. Don't take people that are afraid of heights onto the balcony. Um, it's only going to cause you issues. But yeah, what a move from Frege there. Um, and I'm going to talk more about his kind of seductive persona later because of how deeply uncomfortable it makes me. Um you're pretty good at interpreting things. She says she plants one on him. Good line. Very romantic. Yeah. Kind of, you know, straight in there. Frasier feigning sadness at the fact that obviously he knows right. this yeah. thing's got ha- weird. Have a nice life. Have a nice life. <laughs> um, but no, it looks like Marie and Frasier have got wheels. This thing is is going to go the distance. Um, in Nervosa at their next date, she's talking about the recurring dream. And she talks about the rumpus room. Um, I, I, we don't have any, as far as I'm concerned, a an equivalent in the UK to the rumpus room. So Sometimes the den. I haven't looked it up, but my understanding of a rumpus room is always like a games room, somewhere you'd have like a dartboard, snooker table, comfy chairs, like a basement almost. You know what I mean? Like a it's exactly uh, what it is. It's exactly yeah, what it is. That, that, um, that's just what I believed it was. I mean, I think when Nile says at the Shangri-La, doesn't he say, "Oh, you know, so and so has got something in the rumpus room," and I just always presumed it was just a games room. Do you know what I mean? That was. But yeah, you're right. I mean, very rarely in the UK would someone have that in their house. It could it be the rumpus room in the Shangri-La where they've rigged the arcade machine so it's that's not it. running? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it it sounds it sounds unpleasant. The rumpus room. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just a, a, a kind of, you know, idiosyncratic Americanism that we that we enjoy. Um, but it's it's a little bit odd. Does anyone well, listening have a rumpus room? Um, you know, send us send us pictures or stories of your rumpus room. Um, we'd love to see them, especially if they're wood paneled. So I do like a wood paneled room. I would I I would love to see that. They <laughs> remind me of Twin Peaks in the best possible way. A bit of wood paneling in a room. Um Niles joins Fraser and Navosa now and kind of throws the idea out there that perhaps Marie is with Fraser for his intellect and his kind of psychi- psychiatric abilities. And Fraser says it's a mean-spirited thought to, you know, Niles says it was just a thought. I do agree with Fraser. I think Niles is very premature in coming out of the blocks with this. This is just an initial, it's not a relationship. They've been on like one or two dates, which is going to get even more problematic when we skip to the end and Marie starts mm. talking about grandkids, which I'll talk about. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm with Fraser here. It is mean-spirited. Is this the one, sorry, they go back to Nivosa a few times, so I'm going to get a bit confused here. <laughs> Is this one, bless you, is Thank this you. the one where, I should have said Gesundheit, it shows them a caring character, so it shows them <laughs> a caring person, <laughs> back to hand radio. Um, <laughs> completely lost. Sorry, yeah, is this the one where Marie says that um, she was discussing it in the shower with Fraser that morning, and then she leaves and Niles comes in? I can't even remember that line, but let's just say yeah. for argument's sake, it is why. There's a moment that she, this is before I think they go to the museum, so it might be another one. No, it, it must be that one, because I've then written back to 1901. Um, yeah, she says that, um, well, you didn't mind discussing it in the shower this morning. And he went, yes, but you were holding me to ransom with a loafer or something, a loofer or something like that. And then when Niles walks in, he calls her the ugly dukeling which I find amazing because he's it, when she leaves, Niles is kind of creepily hanging by the door of Nervosa. And as soon as she leaves, he sort of wanders in and he says, you know, oh dear God, is that who we used to call the ugly dukeling? Then they have that comp- conversation because Fraser then has what I've written down as hot, passionate jungle sex. What are you having? Oh my God. Niles, a latte. <laughs> <laughs> that line. Yeah. You know what? You're jealous. You're jealous. I'm having hot, sweaty, passionate chuckle sex. What are you having? I'm having a latte. Um, absolutely. One of my favorite deliveries. In fact, I'm gonna go out and say it's my favorite line delivery of the whole episode. Um, it's just the way it builds. You know what? You're jealous. You're jealous that I'm and then he just goes. It's just brilliant. Um I put here. Oh, yeah, okay. So back in 1901, and Martin now like some kind of yeah, butcher putting meat on display is trying to get Daphne on display to some some guy he knows in a, in an opposite building. How on earth do we think Martin knows this guy? Because he's presumably half Martin's age because he's eligible for Daphne. He lives some distance away, um, and with a, te- with a telescope, yes, with, with a telescope, <laughs> and owns half the floor of the apartment. So you know, in terms of kind of like. Presuming this guy's wealth, he's not really in the same bracket as Martin. So where would they possibly have have, have connected? I would say Seahawks game. Possibly, uh, possibly. Some sort of sporting event or, um, I don't know. Yeah, for someone who owns that much property. I, I, I Actually, to go on to that, I thought John Mahoney was really kind of sweet at the start. He's quite cute as a sort of almost grandfather figure to Daphne. And he mm. goes, hey, Daphne, it's a really nice night. Why don't you join me on the balcony? And she goes, oh. Um, and he goes, come outside. And she goes, he goes, you can see the moon. She goes, oh, is it a full moon? And he goes, yes, dear. Um, <laughs> just rushes her out there like he doesn't care. He just gives this really, really cute smile. And she goes, oh, okay. Then she comes out and she goes, yes, it is nice. He goes, look at it just shimmer down there on the pool. And she, he goes, yes. And walks back in and he goes, no, come out again. <laughs> so he's, he's <laughs> desperately trying to keep her out there and hold her there. And she's like really just dismissive when he's actually being sweet to start with. Then obviously you find out, yeah, he's like nodding and waving at the guy across. Mm. Like you say, where is that? Halfway across the city? Must be a, further than the, uh, the Space Needle. It's far it's away. Miles away. Yeah. Yeah, far away. Um, yeah, it's just like, oh, is it a full moon? I don't know. <laughs> I don't just, know. Come out. Just come out. Just blissful, blissful <laughs> kind of ignorance. Um <laughs> now enter Marie and Fraser, uh, and the massage comes with the price. 
And the price is psychiatric uh, advice, because otherwise Marie ain't giving this massage. Um, I feel like I've seen Fraser get many a massage in the course of this show, but it's probably actually not that many times people give him a massage. Am I am I just imagining this? Um, Can we get a tally on how many times Fraser gets massaged? I don't think it, not in a, certainly not in a romantic way from a date. They don't seem to be like that. The, the, these two as a couple, I mean, Terry Hatcher and Kelsey seem like they're being very coupley. They don't mm. have sex on the first date for once. He actually, she she goes over, she kisses him to be sort of lead him on and then go home. That's like you say, that's quite exciting and romantic. Um, and they don't sleep together. Whereas normally his dates, he brings them over with the intent to pretty much sleep with them on the first date, doesn't he? He, he takes them all to his house and that's mm. half of them don't go home or, or whatever. Mm. So it seems like this is actually a date for once. And you think that's going to go right until you realise that they're both in it for the complete wrong reasons. So once again, yeah. no matter whether it is going right or not, they're both, it, it's going to go wrong. Um, yeah. The massage, the first thing that really bugs me is she keeps her boots on when she sits on his sofa. I, I oh, don't yeah. know how. It, 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 and that's not even a cleanliness thing. It's a suede sofa and it's a replica of the one <laughs> that Coco <laughs> Chanel had in her Paris Atelier. I know. <laughs> Come on, just, Terry. <laughs> she just scuffs it up with a pair of boots and starts rubbing his shoulders. I'm like, oh, and then she gets up and when goes to walk away and whatever else. And he goes, well, maybe we could talk about it. And she goes back and puts her feet on the on the on the sofa again. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, just really it's... irritated me. For, I don't know why. Just you know, it is irritating. It there and then. It's um, it's it's really irritating. Um, I I hate that sort of thing as well. And I'm very much uh, you know, take my shoes off in other people's homes unless they explicitly tell me I don't have to. Um, which I'm I'll I will snap their hands off if they're going to give me you know I don't have to bend down and take my shoes off. But I am normally pretty courteous that sort of thing. On the, on a sofa is out of the question. Yeah, I mean, it just it just seems weird. Like I say, it just it, she just looked a bit, I don't know, just disrespectful to him, I suppose. But then she's there for talking. What 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 did she he say? Um, oh, I was enjoying our museum talk, and we seem to be on the subject of your mother again. And obviously, then she says, "Well, it was the Whistler exhibit." So then it goes back to that. But the um, yeah, going back to the massage again, it just the way she sort of gets up and he goes, "Well, actually, I did have a thought about your mother." <laughs> Yeah, lures her back and then looks really kind of excited by it, and then he starts, and then she, oh, actually, my hands do feel better. I will finish the massage. I mean, like, oh, come on, you two, you just. It all gets a little bit uncomfortable here because it's a classic kind of transactional relationship. I do yeah. this for you, you do this for me. Yeah, um, and unspoken. That's... Yeah, unspoken. It's 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 not healthy immediately, but we see that here, and obviously that's communicated quite well. I think it's an interesting setup for an episode. I like the conceit of. Hmm. You know, two people finding, yeah, mutual interest in one another, but it's not kind of what we think. Um, and the fact that Fraser's out of work, it does, it does work for me as as a as a as a plot. Um, we come then, back. To, sorry, sorry, you gonna, go. I was going to say, and then before we go back to the cafe, we have the line: "It's all over." <laughs> yeah, it's all over. <laughs> um, back at nineteen, no, not nineteen. I'm back at Navosa. Roz high on caffeine. She's finally stopped nursing. Um, and she, you know, which incidentally, she'd only just mentioned how she's still nursing and she can't drink coffee. Um, but now she's off nursing and she's ready to go. Um, yeah, caffeine doesn't tend to have this kind of effect on me, but I wish it did. Yeah, I don't know how many she, I mean, she has two, uh, or she's drunk one and then she has a a second one that she has to top up. She is literally buzzing, isn't she? I mean, the Mary Moo Cow, Moo Cow thing going on and, and, uh, um, a cup of Joe. Oh, Mary's husband's called Joe. He's picking her up soon. I've got to go. Bye, Fraser. It's nice to see you. I mean, that that like I said, I wanted to ramble that off at you, and I could not. My mouth would not move quick enough to actually read those words. No, it's it's too much. It's Perry too much. Gilpin. Perry Gilpin does very well to rattle that line off. <laughs> she does. She does indeed. Um, Fraser looks very casual. Um, I have to say, he's got a bit of a kind of a maroon shirt and some kind of brown possibly leather, possibly just a brown corduroy jacket, um, which I only noticed because of the contrast with Niles in, in kind of usual business wear. Um, have you ever had Korean barbecue? I feel like this is quite big in America. Um, I ha- less I so here. No. I haven't, no. Um, I did, I'd love I did to. find that strange. Before, I mean, that was back at 1901. Before we go there, there is the part that Niles says, are you going to tell her you thought she was prostituting herself for therapy, but now you think it's okay? And he goes, 
not exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just the way Niles basically puts exactly what is happening. And we've all seen it. The fact that Niles cuts through all the crap and just says that. And Fraser goes, well, not not quite like that. But yes, yeah. that's that should be what I tell her. Yes. Ultimately, that is what will get said. Um, back at uh, back at 1901, where we learn about Korean barbecue, amongst other things. Um, again, listeners, do let us know if it's recommended. Not not big on barbecue in the UK like you guys in America are. I feel like it's it's its whole own genre in America. Um, like you guys will go to like special bespoke restaurants where barbecue is the the name of the game, whereas that's a lot less common here. Um, and it's now that the the penny drops for for Frasier. I think when he's in the kitchen with Niles, actually. I think someone might have mentioned this on Listener Mail, but I had made a note, so I'm going to kind of anticipate it early. Uh, Niles is using Tabasco on his popcorn. He is. On Fraser's popcorn, technically. He takes it out of Fraser's cupboard and just just starts... What's what's he doing with it? That's what my question was. Sorry to interrupt you, but... No. He literally just opens a cupboard, gets a bowl out, pours popcorn, puts the sauce on, He's not watching a movie. He's not making that for anyone. Why is Niles doing this? <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a popcorn eater either, but I love Tabasco. I've never tried it on popcorn, I have to say. Don't think I'd love that. Um, but one thing I will say is I have a bottle. I, I did when I kind of lived with my mum and dad, and the bottle has not changed in well in at least 30 years or just uh, shy of. Um, the bottle is exactly the same size. It looks exactly the same, which I thought was really nice because there's not a lot of branding in kind of commercial goods these days. Still looks the same it did in the 90s. Does anyone make like a knockoff version? You know, like oh. you, you, obviously you get Coke and Coca-Cola and then you, you get like the own brand grocery store version of it, like Cola. Um, but Tabasco sauce is is just there are all, a I've lot never hot, seen. There are a lot of hot sauces, but none that are as simple as Tabasco. I mean, Tabasco, as far as I'm aware, is just vinegar, red peppers, like chili peppers, and mm. salt. It's just those three things. Um, it's obviously it's very very thin. Um, which I think a lot of hot sauces get wrong. You know, like I love sriracha. That's a lot thicker than Tabasco. Yeah. Um, not super thick, but yeah, I don't know. But a really nice, lovely on poached eggs. And listeners will know mm. that I have poached eggs every morning of my life. So <laughs> I try a lot of things with them. Um, where are we here? So how? Oh, yeah. I mean, now and he's like, Marie has a, a beautiful body, blah, blah, blah. And do you think I'm only with her for, for, for her mind? Uh, how shallow <laughs> do you think I am? What a brilliant kind of switch of the of the tables there. So good. It always reminds me of that line where Niles, is it Niles then turns around to Fraser at one point and he says he's shallow and he goes, yes, but at least I'm deep enough to realise how shallow I am. And I absolutely love that line. I can't remember what episode that's in. That is always, excellent. As soon as he says about being shallow, it just brings that one up to me. So, so good. Um, we're kind of into the last moments of the of the episode now as Fraser breaks it off with with Marie. Um, a couple of, couple of notes to wrap up for me. One, his bed is huge. I forgot how big his bed is, but seeing them both on there, like I could easily lie across the span of that bed, and I think my whole body would be on the bed. And you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that tall. I'm like, I don't know, six one. Um, but if I lay across the the whole bed, I, I think I wouldn't be dangling over the edges. It's a it's, pretty. It's got to be. Is it an empress? Is an empress bed or an emperor? Ooh. Is that the biggest? I Do think we have friend... those sizes here? Is that American size? Yeah. My my friend that lives in Wales, uh, who actually she lives on her own, but she ha- I'm sure she said it's an empress, and uh, it's I think it's eight foot wide. Oh my god! Yeah, and for a single lady to sleep in, she quite enjoys her bed. I bet I bet she does. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It is uh, huge. Well, listeners, let us know what size bed <laughs> do you sleep in? Uh, is it a cot in a rumpus room, or is it a empress that you that you enjoy all to yourself? Uh, and uh, my final comment is, um, actually, I've got two final comments. Frazier's seductiveness makes me incredibly uncomfortable. He's like, I'd much rather explore you here. And yeah. all, all those little lines. I'm like, come on, brother. Come on. I'm not loving this. Um, and then also, she mentions grandkids. Maybe this is a story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell our grandkids. You've been on three dates, you crazy, crazy woman. I'm not actually sure. I mean, how old is she as well? 
I would have her pegged as like in in the world of the show. I think we're meant to believe she's probably twenty seven. No, maybe a bit older. Well, how old's Fraser in this? Thirty, and he's about forty three. I'd probably say closer to forty six, forty seven at this point. Then she is definitely no older than than thirty. You know, one or two. Well, yeah, um, Fra- Fraser's is he forty one in the episode forty something, something like that. Might be because there's one episode where he says, "Oh no, I, I'm not middle aged." Um, that's more like fifty, fifty two, and it's like, only if you live to be a hundred and four. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I think in I think I th- yeah, I think that, he's, he's like, yeah, I think he's mid forties. Yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd say mid to late forties. I I think she's. I, I don't. Know, I think Terry Hatch is probably thirty to mid thirties in this. Hmm. I'm going to have to look up Terry Hatch. Where do you it, come up with your second thing here? It, well, it's an <laughs> it's an uncomfortable age gap. I think we can all agree on that. And I think yeah, there's there's some uncomfortableness from Fraser here, which often accompanies him being a randy beast. Um, but yes. We we end with with Fraser's zinger. While they're not completely unrelated about her being crazy and the fact that they're bringing things to an end, which is a lovely way to end things. Um, he hates calling people nuts or wackos, but he's quite happy to admit this woman is crazy when actually she's got <laughs> what sound like very very conventional phobias and or psychological trauma, um, which is kind of a cakewalk for a man like him. So I think this is a little bit heavy bit strange that if you were duke and you knew your daughter had all these problems would you send her on a date with someone without saying by the way she's terrified of heights and you live on the 19th floor so maybe don't take her out on the balcony and she's got massive ocd issues like she can't open a door without you know with touching the handle she has to use something and um she lines asparagus up to be parallel like her knives and forks i don't know though do you think if do you think do you think a parent would would say that to a prospective suitor of their of their children or is it up to the child and that it's their life would martin not know this i think i think that's the clincher is martin would probably know because he and duke chat and talk kids but then yeah. maybe Duke has never really acknowledged that she has these things. A lot of parents are like that, you know. They they yeah, true. They hide away from certain for, things for attention. Marie, get on with your life. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's probably what Duke's been thinking. Um. So an interesting one, nevertheless. Uh, top ten, Stephen. Is this a new top ten? It's not. It's a middle of the road episode for me. Good fun, but just yeah. literally middle of the road. I would agree. I do like it. I like the concept a lot, actually, considering Fraser's out of work. It really does work. Um, but it's not in my top 10. Uh, actor pick, I'm going to mix things up. I'm going to go first, and I've gone with Kelsey, and I think that's no surprise whatsoever. He is the main force in this episode, although there are arguments for others, um, and I think he's got some phenomenal line deliveries, um, not least hot, sweaty, passionate jungle sex. So it's Kelsey. For the, for the exact same reasons, I'm going for Niles. Hey, <laughs> nice. I think... I think for every line that Kelsey delivers, David replies absolutely spot on perfect. You, you could literally flip a coin and, you 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 know, it's 50-50 whether you get Fraser or Niles on this episode, I think, for their performances and their replies to each other because I think so much of the conversation is between those two. Mm. The, way, the way that Niles is analysing Fraser, but Fraser is literally batting off those answers. Then he analyses himself, goes back to Niles. Niles reanalyzes what Fraser's thought. It's a very overanalyzing episode, isn't it? Fraser is literally beating himself up about things. Niles offers an opinion. Fraser gets worse. You know, Niles then comes back with more. And he goes, well, I didn't really say that. You've taken it the wrong way. I said this. And I think mm. I just, I, I like, yeah, I think David performs just as well as Kels. So. Absolutely, yeah. Well well uh, argued there. Can't disagree with that, Steve. Um, Kenley Burling, our man on the ground. Uh, I've heard that he suffers from recurring dreams. Has he ever confided in you what's pursuing him in his dreams? Marie's pursued by a hunter, which is actually herself. He, Any uh, word? Any word? He, he has a recurring dream that our beloved Key chases him with 31 seasons of The Simpsons on DVD telling him he must watch them all. Wow. No wonder he's running. 
No wonder over, it's right, over and over again every night. Just 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 keep running at him with DVDs, throwing them as he runs and chases. Just, like, <laughs> like instead of arrows, it's discs bouncing <laughs> off his back. Um, the poor guy. You know, he has so many recurring dreams. He's confided in me once. He actually dreams he's pursued by a much larger, like fifty foot version of himself that's achieved even more than he has, and it's basically you know his inadequacy pursuing the, the- him. The worst thing is, rather than die, Bart die, tattooed on his chest, key has key, will key. <laughs> key, will key. <laughs> there we have it, folks. All the remains is to play. Who's crying is it anyway? Your word this week, Steve. I don't think it's that hard, but... You never do. You make me eat. <laughs> make, make me eat those words. Um, the word is hike. Hike. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, Marie says it. I have no idea why. Yes, she does. <laughs> she does say it. When, uh, right at the end, when she's talking about the getaway she's booked, it has a lake and hike and places to hike or hiking routes. Or that I'm very certain the word hike in its that form is said. Um, I thought she go. said it in a dream, personally. But Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, shall we jump over to a listener mail, Stephen? Yep, let's do it. Excellent. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, so listener mail this week. Uh, got lots of lovely messages uh, to read out from Facebook and Instagram. So just a quick message for those of you who aren't aware. We're slowly phasing out uh, Reddit because it's a little bit draconian and old-fashioned uh, in terms of its accessibility for lots of you. Some of you don't want to make an account. It's hard to find our thread. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, much, much easier to stay up to date with what we're doing and get in contact with us. So you can find us on Facebook. We're listening to Fraser Podcast. We're on Instagram at Fraser Pod. Uh, a lovely long message to open today um, from Nicole Burgess Rodriguez. He says, hello, Mr. Aspasquet told me to post over here. This is an older message from episode 130 and the Nightmare Inn special. Hopefully I'll soon get to send trivia as well. Uh, she goes on to say, up the villa, which I love to see. Um, this is her first comment, numero uno, which I think is a reference there to <laughs> Trivia Corner. Uh, I've been quietly listening to the podcast for a very long time and I finally reached episode 130. I did not have a Reddit account, so I could not comment. On the one... That's either one one hour and eight minute mark of episode 130. As a reply to Kalal's comment, Steve asks, anyone outside Birmingham listening at all? I felt sad for Steve, so I just had to stop what I was doing and remediate this immediately by creating a Reddit user. And the answer is, see, Steve, you are international. I am from Puerto Rico, a tiny Spanglish-speaking Caribbean island is a US Commonwealth territory. We have no daylight savings time and one single season year-round scorching summer millennials and gen zers have had access to english music literature and movies for over 60 years we can also travel like the sans passport steve to us without a passport since our passports are american and we are american citizens this story is definitely a bit longer and a lot more complicated but keeping it light and airy on the pod it will prove to be an informative read for our dear dr carol <laughs> four years ago we moved to the mainland us florida and through the pandemic i listened to the podcast non-stop I really do laugh aloud. I'm constantly caught commenting on the pod as if I'm right there with you guys. After almost two years of me laughing by myself, warm, Mr. Whisper of Cinnamon has finally started watching Frasier. And now he understands that my dear friends, the people I so casually mention in conversation as Will, Key and Steve are from the podcast. I always try to answer all the questions as well. And in my head, the mega famous Kendi Burling is also black. So again, we were talking about yeah. what does he look like in your mind. For us, he looks like Keith Bishop, the host of the Seabees um, from the kind of first season. So it seems a few people also think that about Mr. Burling. Uh, Mr. Burling would have walked in and instantly solved the case and all of the city's cases simultaneously, effectively delivering the first 0% criminality rate in the entire district. Also, Ham Radio is my all-time favourite Frasier app, and getting the special encore presentation for you guys is just incredible. I stumbled upon the podcast because I was looking for a cosy, wholesome, easy-listening pod. I came for the cosy and stayed for the tangents. We absolutely love them. Thank you so very much for taking the time to create this awesomeness. I just wanted to say to Steve that you most definitely are not alone. And like me, there are many listeners that rarely comment, but greatly appreciate the hard work of Will, Steve, and Key. That friendly banter dynamic is superb. You are not alone. You are international, and we are everywhere. I've been Nicole, <laughs> a.k.a. A Whisper of Cinnamon. 
Um, and in Spanish, los am- am- amamos y estamos todos escuchando. We love you and we are all listening. That was terrible pronunciation, but a <laughs> wonderful message. Thank you, Nicole. I must say that wasn't a whisper of cinnamon. That was a full-throated shout. Full-throated and, shout. <laughs> and thank you for such a delightful message. So um, Over on Instagram, it's kind of a two-parter. Eliza DMV has put about this episode, not great. What was the point? We never see Duke's daughter again. Do like her here of height. She can't look out of windows, uh, Fraser's windows at all. Interesting dialogue with Niles and him about the ethics. Mm, very, very good indeed. Corey, our boy, says, uh, that last podcast episode was one hot ticket indeed. Fun bits of firstly no harm. Martin showing off Daphne and Roz in the credits is reminiscent of Martin's stab at love during season one, episode five. Here's looking at you and might be the first time since then we've revisited the telescope. Just 10 episodes ago, Roz chastised Niles for always wiping down the chair she just vacated <laughs> before he sat down. In this episode, Niles takes Roz's chair without taking out his handkerchief. Perhaps the message was well received. Niles grooms Fraser after returning from Korean barbecue. What pr- probably amounts to a throwaway gag of physical comedy would actually become a plot point in a short time at, uh, in the episode dinner, dinner Party, which will focus on what makes the brothers odd. In that episode, Niles grooms Fraser again. Uh, I was going to make this a trivia question, but wasn't sure if you have it in the UK, but Niles puts Tabasco sauce on the popcorn, which is not something I've seen before, but now wonder if it's more common than I think. Lisa Weeks responded saying we've put hot sauce on our popcorn. So there you go. Well, saying that, going across back to Instagram, Mr. Gle- Mr. Green's classroom, is that our friend Alistair, I believe? It might just think so. be. He's made two comments. One is which is, Nas appears to put some sort of sauce on his popcorn. Is it me or is this bizarre? So a lot of comments about the Tabasco sauce. A lot of, he, lot of comments on the Tabasco. He goes on to say a very average episode for him. Martin is outrageously creepy with his balcony behaviour, which, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it, I thought it was cute to begin with, then the showing off of Daphne, and then later on was in the end, at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's, it's definitely creepy. <laughs> it is definitely creepy. Uh, a couple from Facebook, Julie Ingu says, Terry Hatcher playing all the phobias was great. And Andrea Sermon says, he realised she was only after his free analysis. So why did he continue seeing her? For one so intelligent and qualified, he was always so blind. Someone responded, do I have to explain it to you, lol? <laughs> Let's think about Frasier. Let's think about what he thinks with, because it's not always his brain. Uh, over to you, Steve. Uh, the last one on Instagram is Paulie B93, which says, not as strong as the others, but still fun. Excellent. And that is all she wrote for First Do No Harm. We will be back next week um, with Season 6, Episode 6, Secret Admirer. Uh, Just quickly, sorry oh, to interrupt you, as you I do this all the time. The four messages I sent you earlier. You yes. Back let's, and forth through those. Let's have a little look at those. So, as Steve rightly says, we've just missed a few delightful direct messages. So, Steve, what have you got for us firstly? Uh, from our dear friend, The Dead is Dead. He's put, I'm in response to yesterday's prompt about first do no harm, when Fraser and Niles are in the kitchen together, why the heck is Niles pouring Tabasco sauce on the popcorn, which he is so casually helping himself to? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Nick says... Um, Really enjoying listening to the Hot Ticket episode. Will's comments about audience etiquette absolutely struck a chord. We've been to the theatre a number of times over the last few months, and people's behaviour has genuinely shocked me. I had to turn around during the Crucible and ask someone to stop incessantly talking, which I never do. People of Seattle slash London, listen to me. We are not barbarians. And Steve replied, (laughs) and we are not French. Um, going on to the theatre, actually, I, I, I meant to speak to you about this before, but uh, as you and we, uh, as you and Key, even sorry, had a very good discussion about theatre. I wanted to bring up the two things that I've seen at the theatre. Technically, one of them is a ballet um, that actually were mind blowing to me. I saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Christian Slater playing. Um, wow! A, as you would think, Jack Nicholson's role from the film, technically. And I tell you one thing: in the performance, he kind of did look exactly like Jack Nicholson. Christian Slater 
kind of starts to morph into Jack Nicholson the older he gets with the hairline and everything. Wow. Absolutely fantastic, that show. And I went to see, I actually took a girlfriend. Um, I was kind of single. I was, I was seeing a girl at the time. I took her to see, she really wanted to go and see a ballet. She'd never seen a ballet. She'd just broken up with a boyfriend. He'd never taken her to the ballet. Me being me, felt like I was the Frasier here. I'll take her to the ballet. I'm going to show her that this guy is way better than the last guy. Classic. New Year's Eve, we went to London to the Royal Ballet and saw the Nutcracker. Oh, nice. That's weird you said that. I saw an advert for that at the train station earlier. Do you know what? Didn't think it was going to be my thing. Uh, spent a hell of a lot of money on tickets to basically sit in the front row right behind the orchestra and everything. And it was fantastic. Brilliant performance. That's awesome. Love that. Uh, sorry, you read Nick's. Uh, on to the next one. The Real Toffee Cat. Hi, boys. I'm a long-time pod listener from California, but I just stumbled upon the Instagram account. Rehot ticket in the lead-up to a fashion plate and a patriot. Frazier tells Niles that they can influence their snooty crowd with integrity and be like politicians that change the system from within and that the senator at brunch will be able to take that change back to Washington. So hence the patriot and fashion plate line after the Prada line. I love the pod. I'd love to send trivia if I'm allowed. Thanks. Um, mm. Get in contact with Hamish or Corey if you've got Facebook, and they will arrange it. Excellent. Uh, and finally this week, Nicole Okenka says, Wilkie and Steve, long-time listener, first time finally writing in. Big, big fan of you all. I'm happy to see the podcast make it to number one for Frasier. Hot ticket. I love it. Martin says the play might go to dinner theatre. Niles, uh, leans on, Niles' lean on the wall is priceless. Uh, thanks again for all you do. And thank you for your comment, Nicole. As I would like to extend that thanks to all of you who wrote in this week. Um, really lovely to hear from you. Next week, we'll be back with Season 6, Episode 6, Secret Admirer. But until that time, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.